everybody, this is Eric from EFP. If my voice is a little harsh, it's because it's the end of the convention. I am recording this at GaryCon 11, uh, after hours while the rest of my room is asleep. And I wanted to kind of go over just my post thoughts. Um, this is Saturday night. Sunday, we're not going to be doing a lot. We usually just wind down. But I wanted to at least get my thoughts here for an episode for you guys. And let you know what I thought of the con and the things I saw and uh, everything else going on. So, quick topics I'm going to be going over in this. It may be a little longer than normal, depending on how quickly I can get my ideas out here in the digital world. I know I want to talk about um, the space itself for Gary Con. I want to talk about games with Blackwood Society and Danny Grimes at the helm. Along with Danny's amazing table that he made, there's a lot of table manufacturers coming out of Wisconsin in general. He is one of them. Um, I want to talk about the beer party that happened upstairs, about Duncan in our 5e game that Danny run just being a little more gay. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, Delvingwood Table Terrain. I want to talk about playing 5e versus running 5e because as you all know, I primarily run games. I want to talk about running Star Trek Adventures for the first time and how in love with the system I am. And then just kind of a wrap-up of of what I think about the con after everything and staying off-site and the amount of, uh, I would say, Twitch streamers and people who have, have made a spotlight for themselves being there and how that turned out as well. Joe, I'm going to mess his name up, Magdiano, god damn it. Um, his pop-up that he did, and just some closing thoughts on the entire con. So let's dive into this and uh, see what everybody thinks. So this is my 11th Gary Con. I've been to all of them. The space has changed from... What was once the, I think it was the Grand Geneva Ridge. And when they outgrew that, they moved into the Grand Geneva Resort and Spa, which used to be the old Playboy Mansion. For those of you who have not been out here, this place has its own airport. It was a big thing for a long time. And it was kind of like the Midwest Midwest point for for Playboy and, and where they would bring all the people and whatnot. And it's cool. It's it's kind of like a resort town, like Geneva is, where this takes place. It's also the birthplace of TSR, where Gary Gygax grew up. Uh, Matt Mercer, Satine Phoenix, did some photos on going to his home. I've had the privilege of being there at one point in time. So if you want to find stuff on that, you can. And, and I'm not talking about that today. Uh, the first part I want to talk about is the space itself. Now, I go to a lot of conventions. Those of you who see me at conventions, you, you know this. I... I run the circuit pretty heavily, <clears throat> and I love them. They are one of my favorite things to do, the networking, the meeting fans, the talking to people, all that stuff is just fantastic. And I really liked the old space better than the new. Now, I know they had to move because of size and growth, especially with D&D 5e exploding, but there's there's a few problems I have with this space. Primarily, uh, getting to stay on the site is a pain in the butt. They opened it up right away this year. Uh, or they're going to be opening up right away this year, and I think we're going to try to get a, t- a, a room right away. I have been boned twice by reserving my room as I'm leaving, coming back with paperwork and being told I don't have a room, and that stuff's frustrating. But I have good friends in the network, and my team has always found a place to stay. So with that being said, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. What I really 
want to talk about is the fact that there's no food on site besides their buffet, which is either $25 or $37. The $37 one was not good. You know, they're supposed to be like prime rib and crab legs. Crab legs are cold. Wasn't what I wanted. Could be to do with the mass of people, but they're a resort community. So they should be kind of used to running large events here. There is a steak place if you want to spend that money every day. But they really are missing things like food trucks and on-site things uh, to get more food. They do, which is cool, have people who wander around and take orders for you and get burgers and stuff like that. And that's nice. I do really enjoy that aspect. But if you want to leave to get food, you have to go all the way into town. And then parking becomes a nightmare. To park, if you weren't staying on site and you had to have a piece of paper that said you were staying there, uh, you had to park all the way out by the airport. And if you were lugging any terrain or books or anything extra, even though there was a, a trolley that picked you up, that, that's a long hike with all your shit. Not a fan of that. And it, it didn't run 24 hours. So if you are gaming late, it was a pain in the butt. We ended up staying off-site because my friend John and Mike found a good off-site place. At, uh, I think it was Comfort Suites. wasn't far. We could get food on the way in. But there is a dilemma with staying off-site. And that is, I am up late doing the things I want to do, and if my friends who are with me or teammates that are with me or business people with me want to go back and we're sharing a car, it becomes a problem. Our solution to this has always been to leave a car with all of our alcohol in it as a satellite car if it's not too cold and drive one back and forth every day, so we're only really worrying about parking for one. It's not fun, though. I like to be able to just say, hey, I go back to your room go to sleep if you want to go to sleep. And we've learned over the years that staying off-site just isn't easy. Unless you are a group that has a booth, you are drinking, eating, leaving at 11 every day, coming back for 9 a.m. check-in to do your booth. It's almost not worth being off-site. So that's my thoughts on the off-site. And the site itself, gorgeous and cool, and, and it's got a lodge kind of feel. But you, It's a big area. You're walking down like all these long, long corridors. It's a cool experience. I just, um, I just wish there was more food there. That's really my main gripe about that place. But the actual space itself is lovely, and it has a lot of places to play. There's always a room you can duck away into, and that kind of small, quaint atmosphere, even though it's gotten larger and larger, is really awesome. I do recommend signing up for events early if you want to be able to play in events. If you don't, you may not get... Um, you may not get into games because it's the point to where it's so packed now. Eventually, did not have a lot of spaces left. And that's going to take me into what happened to us, which is amazing. So my group was looking for a game, and they wanted to be able to play some 5e, specifically me. I run 5e's on Sundays with the Magic and Monsters setting, which you can find on my Patreon I'm on Eric Frankhouse Presents. Some of you already know about it. Some of you played in it. And that is my Sunday group's game currently. But I wanted to play in 5e to understand the other side of the screen. As a GM, I think it's important to do both. You can focus 100% on GMing, but you should be a player as well to understand what your player wants and to see what they see, what the crunchy side of it is, what it's like to be kind of reined in and told no, because GM doesn't get told no, and the trust equation that happens between the GM and the players that this is a collaborative story, and we're here together. I'm not here to screw you over. It's about the story. It's about the growth. And I wanted to play some. And that 5e room was packed, and they said we may have two slots if people don't show up, which wasn't going to work for what we were doing. So we went over and sat down, and my friend Matt from Casey Rift, he runs what was once Blackmore Society is now Blackwood Society, and they're starting their own society play 
with two different settings. One is a magic punk spy setting. Uh, Aether punk, I believe, is the style I call. And the other one is more of a Victorian steampunk machine one based on the novels by John Messenger. And he's like, hey, man, we had a bunch of people not show up to this. Do you want to come in and play? We're on the second floor. And we walk into this private room where they have all the streaming stuff set up and there's a gorgeous wood table there. And I was like, fuck, fuck yes, we want to play this. So it was myself, Kelly, my friend Andy, and Mike got to play in this session. And we played with uh, two of the people that I, I did not know. They were randoms that had already you know, had space at the table. So we sit down. And this gentleman named Danny Grimes is going to run the game. I've recognized him from other cons. We've talked. I didn't realize until much later that it was the same person who lives close to my home in Tosa. Uh, I live in Bayview in Milwaukee. And uh, he made this table. And he's made some crazy cool terrain. But the first session had a TV set in the middle of the the table for a map. And we're going to play the first of John Messenger's adventures to help promote his book series, his world. So he has three books out already. Uh, one of them is Wolves of the Northern Rift, Blood Thief of Wittenhall, which is where we were playing in the first adventure, and The Golem of Solomon's Way. A very steampunky kind of feel to them. The artwork is gorgeous. Super nice guy. He was on site to help with the running of these games, to help with the background of the stories or playtesting this first adventure. So we get to play, and I get to play. And magic is all demonic magic, according to the Inquisition, the Inquisitors. And when you use magic, you have to hide it from people. So they said they had a more complex character. I was like, yeah, I'm in. Let me see it. So they walk me outside, tell me what this character is about. And they could do some cool stuff. We're playing second level for the first half, and we play fifth level for the next half. Sorry, I'm a little uh, gassy, I, or burpy, I should say. I just got done drinking with everybody. Um, so the... Second level adventure was really fun, and I found out that I can cast magic as an action onto an object or a ranged weapon that is ranged or touch and use it. And when it makes impact with something, the spell goes off. That means things like uh, uh, shocking grasp and, and silence and burning hands can all go on these objects, and you can toss them out, giving them a range. But it takes you an action. And that item that you've prepped stays that way all the way to your long rest. So you can kind of prep a bullet and a revolver and be good to go. And yes, there are guns in this game. You just have to have a little more money to own them. As Inquisitors, we had access to them. So we play this great first session. My friend Kelly is playing Duncan. She's female. He's male. And suddenly Duncan turns into this just a little bit gay character by the time we're done with our second session the second day. Because we got to come back and play. He's like, if you guys want to come back, that'd be great. Sat down, got to play again, drinking. And this time we can see the actual recess of the table. And Danny has done this etching on wood that makes it look like cobblestone. And he says it takes stain well, and it takes paints well. And I'm excited. He gave me a small set to play with so I can kind of paint them up and see what they look like. Really cool concept. I think they're fantastic. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the mega sets coming out from him that he's doing. I think they're putting them out through Etsy to start. So we play the second session, we're fifth level, and this one's in like a bordello that we go into, like a private party, hunting down some of these magic users. So what I've left out is every time I go to do something, I take Duncan with me because they are an extremist about killing things and taking things in that have magic, which means that I'm a danger to her. 
Like, I'm someone who should be killed. <laughs> and I'm using that as a cover at every corner we go. And it's worked fantastically. Up until a point where I almost get caught. Because in both adventures, I disguise myself as the leader of the group we're dealing with to get information. And so I can kind of hide my spellcasting with disguised self. Had a blast playing it. Playing from the 5e side of things, playing as a player instead of a GM, I realized a couple things. Um, I love the rules. They're not too constraining. And the advantage-disadvantage, while awesome, is basically a good chance you're going to fail or going to succeed. It's a really weird thing being on the other side. As a GM, I roll it too. On my Sunday game, someone has poison attack. And every attack they do is a chance to poison me. I think it's a con save, 12. So I'm rolling this every time. And I'm noticing a lot of things from the player's side. It's just a lot of rolls. And the randomness becomes less random and more defined through advantage and disadvantage. You're basically going for that advantage to make sure you succeed in a game with low ACs and decent bonuses to do your actions. Saves become a little more deadly, so on and so forth. I liked playing from the player's side. It gave me a different love for 5e as a developer. And makes me want to dig into some of the magic rules as my high magic campaign is, I think it needs a little more magic in it. So we play this stuff, we have fun, we finish up. And that, that's kind of the end of my section here on playing as a player and playing with uh, Danny and the rest of the Blackwood Society group. And they were running stuff all over the con for this new society play. I'm really excited to see where this goes. Oh, I forgot the best part. They hand out really nice cards, almost like the Pathfinder cards you would get that are bonuses, and when you play pre-gen characters, you bring them with you, and you have these items that you can use on any character you play up until you have enough sessions under your belt you can make a character. I think they might be using this as a stall until they have the rules for character development for their settings, but still, pretty fucking cool. So let's move on to the next part. I want to talk about specifically uh, some of Danny's product that he's doing, his tables and whatnot. And it's a pretty short section here, but I do want to pimp it out some. So Danny Grimes is part of the Blackwood Society group. He also owns, let me grab this paper out of my bag here. Uh, he also owns Morningwood Makers, and he does a lot of woodworking stuff. Really skilled, great shop. Out of Tosa, like 15, 20 minutes from my house. Didn't even know it. Like, hilarious how small, big city Milwaukee has become. And he makes wood terrain similar to what you would get with um, Dwarven Forge, but they're wood. So same durability. About the same weight, and he has a way to etch them quickly with a it's a laser process, but it's a different style where it literally comes down and just like and prints it in like four seconds. Um, I'm gonna have him on the show at some point do a real deep dive in the woodworking process and, and whatnot. But he's gonna be putting these out in the next couple of weeks on his Etsy store in conjunction, I think, with Blackwood and kind of selling under one flag. I'm really excited to see what those are, but he also makes tables. And the table they had was auctioned off at Gary Con. It was a gorgeous piece. I really like what he did with it. He had that flagstone piece in the recess. You know, everyone's seen gaming tables by now where there's the recess, and it had the flagstone there. I love the look, especially if that like, can be flipped over and was hard surface on the other side. But if you haven't looked up his stuff, look up uh, Delving Wood and uh, Morning Wood Makers and Danny Grimes, and I think you'll find his stuff pretty quickly. But keep an eye out, and I will definitely report more on that as his products come out. All right, well, I want to talk about one of the coolest things that I didn't notice right away um, until that Saturday night when I was trying to find a way to get a Death Save shirt. I thought they had a booth there, and it's a shame that they did not. Instead, what they did was a pop-up that you could follow, and um, 
this is being this is being recorded now on Monday. This piece, um, I'm just inserting it here for you. But he did a thing on Sunday or Saturday where you could follow this Instagram post, and it went all the way back through the um, restaurant into what would be like the chef's table, where the chef would do a piece with you. And I really thought that was cool, but I, God damn it, why didn't you have a booth so I could buy some Death Saves gear at the con? And not just the Gary Con shirt, which I didn't get, which sucks. But that's a side note. Um, I just wanted to insert that really quick here and I, in front of what I'm about to talk about. So uh, the, I'm staying at the Comfort Suites recording downstairs here. And the next part of this I want to talk about, I had to walk away for a minute. I really wanted to talk about uh, meeting Matt and Joe. I've met Matt and Mercer before at Gamehole Con in passing, and uh, there's people kind of mobbing him. I held up a sign that said, uh, uh, do you need help? Circle yes or no is a joke. Super friendly guy. I got to talk to him a little bit more here at Gary Con. Uh, we were having a party on the second floor. I brought a bunch of beers out of Scandinavia that you can't really get in the U.S. Uh, thanks to Central Grand Cafe, which I work at a couple days a week. We do crawlers there, and they were really cool and gave me a bunch of stuff to bring, including our grapefruit soda that we have. So we have, I do live game and beer pairings for company companies, and I wanted to have a similar scenario again. And those who have met me at cons know I usually have a mobile beer cart with me, and we all shoot the shit and drink beer and just have fun after hours, right? So we did that. And on top of that, there was an Austin brewery there, and I want to say... I want to say it was Craft Pride. Um, why I can't remember this right now, I don't know. They did amazing stickers called uh, Dark Trails Old Number 66 brand. Old Scratchy's Eldridge Hooch. Just a shot a day keeps the tentacles away. And the gentleman was amazing. We shared beers there. If you're on the second floor, you got to do it. And Joe and uh, Joe Mag- Magdaliano, Magdaliano. God damn it, I feel like an ass. It's like the only last name I can't pronounce. Um, I need Magdanello, Magdanello, I think that's it. Uh, he was walking through with Matt, and we kind of talked for a little bit, gave him a couple drinks, and just really good guys and really sincere about the industry wanting to play it, uh, play in it, and, and make it fun for everyone and build the stuff as kids that they wanted. And it's cool to see that. I know that some of these people get flack and people saying they're fake, but I don't, they're not. Like, they're good people, sincerely care, and like the industry. And I just wanted to put that out there from me, who are friends of mine, who know me, that these guys aren't fake. They're sincere. They will shake hands. They will talk. Um, Just approach them like people. I love talking to people in all walks of life and what they do. And these two are great to talk to for, you know, 10 minutes or so drinking and just having fun. But if you see them at cons, don't be afraid to walk up. Say thank you for what you do. I love this. Hey man, you know, what is your new product you're putting out? What are you working on next? Or Whatever it is, but don't suck up all the time because there's lots of us who want to talk to them. And uh, and I really want to get Joe's Lich Ring, but I wish they would make one that was not $750. I would love to have one of those for running games. But there's some rumors of some stuff going on in other companies and the ring's coming out, so we'll see what happens. I just wanted to touch base on that. Satine walking around is always friendly. These people are ambassadors for our hobby, and those who... Those who look down upon what they're doing, um, I don't know if it's jealousy or what, but guys, calm the fuck down. Like These people are gamers just like us, and they found a way to do their art form in what we do and share it to other people. Be happy that our audience is growing, that more people know about it, and stop being grognards about it. It doesn't make sense. 
And if that offends you because of what I just said, then you're one of those grognards. <laughs> um, but think about it. They're good people and they do what we do. If they're making money off it, it's no different than people publishing books. And the people publishing books, third party, first party, AAA titles, whatnot, should get the same recognition as they do. So say hi to your favorite writers and artists while you're at shows as well, because the more they know you love it, the more they're willing to make what we love. That's it on that. That's the only soapboxy shit I have that I can think of in my drinking state. So on Saturday night, I got to run Star Trek Adventures for the first time. Printed a lot of paper minis like an ass. I forgot to bring the stands for them. But I did print a lot of uh, blueprints that I got from them um, for ships and stuff. And we had one gentleman, Sean, who has never watched Star Trek before. Doesn't even really know much about it. He played the engineer and we ran this game. And the 2D20 system that Medefius uses for Conan and a few other games is fantastic. And I love that they are willing to chop their system up and alter it to make it fit the intellectual property they are building for. In this case, it's a 2D20 system where you want to lo roll low. Ones count as two successes. Um, and then if you have a focus in something, your there's a, a number, not your ability, but your, I think it's profession or something like that, becomes the new score. So if you have like a 10 in engineering and you have like a 4 in security and somehow those relate together and you have a focus in um stopping security breaches and that means your security was a four now one to four counts as two successes and you can buy stuff and there's a momentum mechanic in the game where as you get extra successes over what you need those shift back in momentum that can be spent later to buy things in a one one momentum three momentum six momentum scale for buying up to a total of five dice with bonuses from other things you can also gain threat by doing actions that are horrible, killing somebody, failing in things and whatnot. Or you can say, I'll give you a threat if I can buy a die. And that's other ways you can do it. The GM gets all these threats. And the threat they use to change the scene, add new villains, have something happen. And what it does is it gives that TV series feel of the ebb and flow of as momentum is building and climbing into a scene and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger, the threat is chasing with it to where there's that apex where they clash and things happen. And it gives the GM the okay to do extreme things because the players have built that threat. It's a really great mechanic that at first I thought was going to be very board gaming and I wasn't going to like it. And at the end of the day, I loved it because the GM, it was like transparency to be able to activate things in the game that your players like shit man this threat's high we're gonna be a dangerous situation how we want to handle this and it really made them think in a different pattern in a different way i kind of want to add a momentum based thing with inspiration and 5e for magic in my my tabletop game and i think it could be a great way to watch momentum build and then for threat to build and the gm to be able to do stuff with it i love that concept and I think I might turn it into something for Magic and Monsters. They, there was an escalation dice in a game where every round during combat, I think you rolled, I think it was like one through six, and that number went up and down as the escalation of danger got higher. And that was a cool concept too. I think this could be something similar that I do for 5e. And I'm going to do a little play testing with that. The Star Trek Adventures was fantastic. I had a blast running it. I would love to run a season six to an eight episode season for players and uh maybe you do a twitch stream for it i know they have shields of tomorrow where they're all dressed up and stuff for it but 
I've noticed after watching Matt Coville's uh, pod or podcast Twitch stream versus Matt Mercer's the difference in like a theater style versus an actual well-oiled uh, gaming group, and that's kind of what I'm seeing happen with Coville's. So I think I might do that. If you guys have interest, call into the show. You know how Anchor works by now. Uh, and tell me what you think about the idea of having a Twitch stream for Star Trek. Would you be interested? Is it a waste of my time? Would you rather see a Magic and Monsters or something along those lines? That's it. I just wanted to mention the Star Trek Adventures. If you don't own it, get it. It is great. I think the Science Division book just came out. And uh, the ship-to-ship combat is awesome. Oh, in a scene where you are playing Star Trek, and there is a moment where only two of your main characters are there. You can have your other players play NPCs in the game. And the NPCs get allotted some stats and nothing else. And if they ever come back in a scene in another episode, you start building upon them because they become a major cast member, closer and closer to importance. So if something is to happen to one of your PCs, you could take over that NPC. Or if you need an away team, but you don't want to send all your primary people, you're sending your head of security and science, everybody else can play an away team member. And it gives you that change of pace where you get to play other people in the game. It's it's a fantastic idea. So check out Star Trek Adventures from Modephius if you haven't. And uh, let's close this thing up here, shall we? have changed and magic fills the flensing fields I know of those who seek my home to steal from my lair the one built by my powerful parents you do not belong Magic and Monsters Marks of Men will be releasing its first series of plotted adventures. These are an audio-guided adventure to make prep for the GM easier and enjoyment for the players. These will be releasing starting with the first episode at the end of March. You can find them at www.patreon.com slash Presents. Sign up as a patron and get your first three Plotted Adventures. So let's wrap this up. <clears throat> My voice is about shot. It is about 4 a.m., 4.30 a.m. right now. My scratchiness probably made that last bumper sound like I had been eating gravel. I like Gary Khan a lot. And if you haven't been to it and you want to feel the old school feeling of conventions from like the 80s to the 90s, it's a great place for that. Great people. And if you have fan favorites of writers and, and things along these lines from D&D, you know, White Box, Red Box, Second Edition on Up, you're going to find them there. Especially with Wizards of the Coast sponsoring Gary Khan this year, there was a lot of great people. And if you're a new gamer who loves 5e, You'll find those people there as well. Mike Murrells is walking around. Jason Bowman from Paizo was there running the new Pathfinder 2.0. There's a lot going on. And for a Midwest con, this is kind of the root of gaming in, in Lake Geneva. So I recommend at least once get it, but get on site, damn it. 
Find it now, spend the extra, split the room, and stay on site. Do yourself the service of being able to leave and, you know, and come back whenever you want without travel. Park your car and leave it there. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It's a little different than normal. I do have a how-to video coming up video. Podcast coming out this week as well. I'll record it once I'm back from uh, GaryCon, and will come out on Friday for you. That's it from me. I hope this was fun and uh, just a little insight into how my convention went. Since people are asking, I figured I'd put it out as a little cast for you all. Support Anchor.com. Support me through Patreon at patreon.com slash Presents. If you love this podcast, have questions, want, want answers, call into the show. Anchor is free. And if you can't do that, uh, you can always send me a message on Facebook, uh, same name, and I will answer it on the show for you. But I love call-ins and do your best to, to do so. If you have anything else that you'd like to hear on the show, topics, um, Q&A, send me a list. I'm going to be putting them together and I'm going to be doing a Q&A session here pretty soon. That's it for me, everyone. Same as always. Watch, listen, learn, be a better gamer. Till next time. <laughs>